Sips and Ish, what is up? Before we start this podcast, I want to take just one second and ask a giant favor. Wherever you're listening, hit the subscribe button. Leave us a review. A five-star review would be amazing and help us so much. Now, let's mix a drink and get started. to another week of the podcast. This is Alex Nepa, your host. This week we've got a great guest and a good friend, Chris Hintz from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I know, wait, we've already had one guest from Sioux Falls, Jeff Musilar. That's actually his good friend and business partner. But we wanted to flip the script and invite Chris on because I feel like they have two unique skills, two unique skill sets, I should say, and two unique talents. They're both business leaders, yes, but Jeff is the more analytical, the visionary, the one who makes all the technical things happen. That's not to say that Chris doesn't know how to do all that, but that's, I feel like that's just Jeff's strength. But we're here to talk about Chris today and where Chris really excels in re- is relationship marketing. Chris is the people person. Chris is the, I guess you could say, public face of the company. He's the one also making a lot of the monetary decisions, and Chris is also the majority shareholder in their partnership at Pinnacle Productions. So it was a really cool talk to have, and right now Chris is actually living the dream at a lake house. He's going to talk a little bit about that, how he's made some money flipping real estate and found himself on the other side of things, a little bit outside of town, a little bit uh, living in peace with his wife, Holly. We also chat about Chris's side hustles and endeavors from snow plowing to a software piece uh, dedicated to people who are planning their end of life. I know it's a little bit morbid to talk about, but it's actually super needed as if you've ever been handed over an estate, if you've ever been the executor to an estate, you know what a task that can be. Or if you've had a loved one passed away that didn't plan their end of life, we also know what a mess that can be with uh, different family members feeling that they're entitled to certain things but not having it documented. So we we hit all those topics and we enjoyed a Kentucky Buck here. Fantastic beverage that we made for Chris. I know that he loves Moscow Mules, and his business partner Jeff got one of those in our second podcast. We made Chris a Kentucky Buck that consists of two ounces of Buffalo Trace bourbon, three quarters ounce of house-made strawberry ginger simple syrup, and I actually did that inside of a um, juice extractor and blender together. Pretty easy to do. Um, We checked our social media for the recipe there. Three quarter ounce of freshly squeezed lemon juice, two dashes of Angostura bitters, and then top it off with Topo Chico extra carbonated mineral water, which as you guys may know by listening is a favorite of mine. And it's a refreshing cocktail that's best enjoyed on a summer day, and I made it for Chris because it's a warm-up cocktail for our busy summer Saturdays as DJs. The cocktail is a nice balance of sweet, sour, and just a touch of spice from the freshly juiced ginger root. The cocktail is a double, so we made it for Chris. Uh, and had a nice chat that went over an hour long. 
So guys, we're going to get right back into the podcast right here, right now. Everybody, Chris Hints, Sips and Ish. Let's go. Sips and Ish. We're here with my very good friend, Chris Hints from South Dakota. I would say Sioux Falls, but Chris is living the dream right now in Brant Lake, right? Brant Lake, yeah, just north of Sioux Falls, about 30 miles. Yep. And I actually just took uh, my first sip of this beverage. It's my first time having one of these. It's a Kentucky Buck. Very similar to a Moscow Mule, fresh ginger, uh, fresh strawberry, topped off with uh, Topo Chico, mineral water in place of club soda. Got some lemon juice in there and, of course, using some Buffalo Trace. Very good. It is very, very good. So I am going to get that uh, recipe and put that above my bar and definitely stock that. That's really, really good. I'll have to have your recipe for the puree. So the the key is, yeah, the fresh ginger, the fresh ginger syrup, man. It makes it spicy and still kind of sweet. Pretty nice. Very good. So how's life, man? Life is good. Life is really good. It's been a crazy, you know, obviously it's been crazy for everybody. Um, It's kind of neat to see all of the different like timeline a year ago today, memories pop up on Facebook right. and see right. what come and how far we've come. But no, I feel like it's been really, really good and very blessed to be where we are, to be able to do the things that we've been able to do. Um, as we both know, like some of our friends just don't have that freedom and flexibility yet. So it's insane how some of the country is completely shut down and some of the country is completely wide open. There's no real uniformity in it. And, uh, you know, we could get into what's better and what's worse than what if you want. But I don't know, man. It seems like you guys are doing really well. It seems like you guys have a good mesh of hybrid events, streaming events, and then, of course, actual live in-person events. Yeah, it's uh, not the live event space hasn't been super vibrant yet. The bars and nightclubs, of course, have been open pretty much nonstop for almost 10 months. But live events, we just did our first, I would say, bigger live event two weeks ago. And that was a hybrid as well. And there was 280 people in the room for that at the convention center, which normally that space would seat probably five, 455. So it's coming around. Um, and we have an event coming up here in like three months where John Maxwell will be the keynote and that's like 1900 people. So that'll be the first real big one that I think Sioux Falls has seen. So we're pretty excited to be a part of that. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, um, we had Jeff on, so I don't want to cheat if we've got repeat listeners. I think we can refresh it though. Tell us a little bit about Pinnacle Productions and where you guys are at right now. Sure. Well, Jeff, low-key genius. Great episode, by the way. If you haven't haven't, haven't seen that one, definitely check it out. But uh, Jeff and I have had a, a friendship for quite some time, and we've been partners for about six years now. So, But Pinnacle in its uh, early infancy uh, basically started out of the, I would say, experience that I had with my own wedding. Um, planning it and and having some difficulty in finding a DJ that really cared to make it unique and special and, and didn't want to just regurgitate um, week in and week out where the names had changed and the, the dates had changed, but it was really the same approach. And in 02, I took a $2,000 loan out of my 401k, uh, spent it in three mouse clicks at now defunct PSSL.com. Uh, for those of you who know that company, um, I bought my first pair of speakers and picked the speakers because I got free speaker stands with them, uh, ironically enough. And uh, since those modest beginnings, I was still working full time and kind of built it up in April 15th, 2006, tax day, 15 years ago, almost now, um, I went full time with the business. And 
things had changed a lot in the early years. We did a lot of nightlife and a lot of karaoke back in the day and took a transition probably in 2010 into doing more upscale and really kind of pushing the envelope of what weddings can be. And I would honestly be remiss, remiss to say it wasn't because of Mark Farrell at Mobile Beat. Uh, I saw him speak for the first time and really kind of opened my eyes to what we really do as DJs and entertainers. And then through the course of relationships and connections, we've you know, migrated into corporate events. We started a, a film division, uh, super talented Zoss, of course, um, then built uh, another brand around him. And then pre-pandemic, we were doing a ton of touring and I would say revenue scope wise, it was probably 30% touring, 30% corporate, 10% nightlife and 30% bridal, you know, somewhere along those lines. And I think the films kind of worked in there too. And then during the pandemic, like we really put our foot on the gas with the PPP money. Thank God we um, had that lifeline to be able to train our team and go really, really in depth and in the live stream section and be able to, I feel like we're a market leader in, in that part of it and what we do. And now with things getting back to normal or hopefully back to normal, um, hopefully we'll see some return in some of those industries that are just not going yet. You know, tours for Q3 are starting back up and festival stuff is starting up. So I feel like, you know, 2021 is just about taking those relationships that we built and, and forged in 2020 with uh, some of the transitions that we made and, and hopefully we can turn those into really good sectors for the live industry and, and keep us pushing and keep those relationships strong. And I feel the relationship base of what we do is, is why we've been successful in all of those elements. You're definitely the king of relationships. And I mean, just as an example, your relationship with Jeff formed into a business partnership. That's just one small example. And just to think about like where you were with Pinnacle and where Jeff was with Musical Edge and bring those together. And when we say market leader, it's not just in the Sioux Falls market. Chris and Jeff and Pinnacle is a nationwide leader in what they do. And as a DJ and entertainment company, a production company, a production house, a studio, I mean, they're second to none. And I, I know that Jeff had told me uh, that he's learning a lot on the job. And I think you are too. And I think anybody in the industry, if they're really being honest with any people who are listening in this time and doing hybrid events, which is a, a new buzzword, that's something brand new. So you're learning a lot on the job. Yeah. And a lot of it is just like, I know Jeff had said it very well. It's when you are learning and you don't know how to delegate, it's very difficult to really grow that sector. And people have no real expectations as of yet. Uh, most haven't done a hybrid event or a virtual event previous to 2020 and the challenges that it brought on us. So I feel like we've been learning together. And I think the biggest piece, again, is relationship-based, um, listening really well, anticipating the needs and learning through the process to be able to come back and advocate for those people who are looking for that advocacy. So we can become that expert or a leader in that way. And I feel we've done a really good job with that transition, but um, the hybrid event, yeah, it's a, it's a super big buzzword. Uh, what it really means is it's twice as much work, you know, if not more. Um, and I think people are starting to see that, 
you know, a first round of, you know, hybrid or virtual, um, everyone, I would say it's probably very similar to the, the DJs and the wedding markets, right? Like we all do the same things. We're just cheaper. You know, you saw a lot of that with the hybrid and a lot and the virtual events and stuff. And now we're seeing round two where they're coming back because they see a difference. They see a difference in the production and the stage value and the presence. And it's just more polished. The lighting is better, better microphones, better audio. And I feel like the need to communicate that value has probably, you know, tripled in the last, I would say six months because people have been part of experiences that have been so distasteful. They're looking to create something. I feel that, you know, we are able to create things on a national level or regional level that are hard to du duplicate. And Jeff is, uh, you know, he's a straight up ninja when it comes to this stuff. Like he studies things to the point where, you know, he's going to be the expert. And anyone who knows Jeff is, you know, Jeff does not know the term, you know, mediocre. He just doesn't know that term. And that has that drive and that ambition and that initiative that he has, I feel like, and I've said this to him and to other people too. I said, Jeff, sometimes I feel like your, you know, your expectations are higher than that of our clients. Yeah. And I feel like if we can make Jeff happy, I feel like our clients will be, you know, amazed, not just happy, but like ludicrously happy. So. Well, and I think you need that balance. Um, of somebody like Jeff, who does actually have like a crippling fear of not being perfect or yeah. the best that he could possibly be. And to the point where sometimes it shuts him down. I can remember when we had our company Nightlife Media Labs, and we paid a decent amount of money for a booth in Atlantic City for a business that had no money and, and two individuals that really didn't have a lot of money themselves to begin with. Yeah. And the booth presentation wasn't exactly what Jeff wanted it to be. And he he took a whole day off, man. He's he's he chilled in the hotel room, and I I manned the booth, and it was a uh, just that internal frustration of what the booth looked like, and and I think having a partner like you to balance that out, and the weight of Matt Matt Radicelli's saying is done is better than perfect, and I subscribe to that because obviously you want it to be the best it could possibly be, but doing it is better than not doing it. Yeah, I would say anyone who knows Matt knows that phrase firsthand. And, and obviously we're big fans of Matt and we had him as a coach for quite a while. And, and I would say that that is a struggle, you know, in, in every relationship and every partnership, there are, there are things that you butt heads on and that's one of them. You know, I, I feel like as long as our clients are happy at the end of the day, that's our job. Our job is to create events that our clients are happy with that would be more than willing to pay us again. think there was good value there. And I think, there are times where, you know, we've butted heads. I mean, every partnership butt heads, you know, marriages, relationships, like, you know, two people that are passionate, two people that are strong, two people that, you know, enjoy being leaders and, and helping people like, yeah. And I think at the end of the day, the result is from that collaboration where it's an understanding and, you know, we always say the limiting factors in what we do are budget and imagination. And we have a plethora of imagination, probably more so than budget sometimes. <laughs> and I would say our clients are probably in that same way. But there, there is a way that we can, you know, and Jeff is really good at this. He's good at figuring out ways that we can over deliver on things. And he sees things that other people just simply do not see. And that vision, you know, for the event space is, is very important. And I feel like our partnership is great because 
my vision is focused on, you know, where we're going to be five years from now. And Jeff's vision is focused on where we're going to be five seconds from now. And I think his ability to live in the now, right, and and be real present in that space brings our events to a level that I'm sorry, I just feel very few can measure up to. And I think my ability to see numbers and build relationships, knowing that we're planting seeds right now that we're going to cultivate and someday we'll harvest, but we don't have to harvest every single connection and every single relationship right now. It's how do you become an advocate for that person? How do you, you know, truly show interest? And, and I feel like, you know, there's, there's two groups of people. Um, one camp is, you know, we're going to, we're going to be here to see through you or through each other. And then there's the camp that's, we're here to see each other through. And I want to be on that camp. I want to be a cheerleader to create something that will live long past pinnacle, live long last Chris, right? I want a legacy that, you know, we were here to help people. And ultimately that's what we do with our events. We help brands capitalize on their market. We help with training. We help with celebrations and raising money for galas and, and noble causes. And we also want to be a place where people want to come to work and, and choose, you know, choose to be part of our family, right? And, and share their hours and their talents with us. We want to be a part of that. We want all of the relationships that we're building, internal and external clients to be more than just transactional. Like we want it to be that enriches all of our lives. And I feel like Jeff's ability, you know, to really push the boundaries on what's possible in the event space. And, and I feel like my ability to cultivate those relationships and make sure that that path moving forward is, you know, smooth. I feel like it is a really great, you know, marriage of the minds. And we started as friends and going to brunch yeah. on Sundays and judging you know, everybody's signature dishes, right? Amongst ourselves with my call on a few other people. And, you know, we just had a really great friendship that developed over, honestly, over food. You know, he was the first one who introduced me to pho and I'm like, what the is pho, right? And, you know, from those very humble beginnings, you know, and he'll tell people too, he's like, I thought Chris was some, you know, 40 year old white crusty guy that was like, who the hell is this dude? Right. And I just was interested in talent and Jeff is incredibly talented. And when, you know, you surround yourself with people that are brighter than you, I feel like we can take each other to, to heights that I don't think either one of us could do alone. And that's why it's, it's pretty incredible. Like in terms of just like the relationships, like I think you are the stronger of the two in relationships. And when I say that I'm not knocking Jeff, cause I think Jeff is insanely strong with the relationships. But I would say like, if I'm going to put two and two against each other, mm -hmm. I'd say Chris is a relationship guy. And I also think that's, that's kind of a strength that will help you build your business and has helped you build your business. But I also think like Jeff's kind of ninja skills in the background, his marketing savvy, his knowledge of presentation and the small details. I think those two things are amazing to have together. And if you talk about like, you know, when I first met you, um, it was probably like 2011, 2012 now, which, you know, going back 10 years, yep. um, I was going to play in Sioux Falls and Jeff said, Oh, this guy, Chris, he's, uh, he's my competitor. He's going to come hang out with us. And then I hung out with you and had some drinks with you and everything like that. And I thought you were cool as hell, but it just blew my mind that Jeff was like, Oh, he's my competitor. No big deal. That's that's like I'm I'm friends with my competitor. I'm friendly with my competitor, and it's crazy that we only have one competitor in this tiny ass town yeah. I'm in. 
but at the same time, like I, I, you know, I'm not going out to brunch with him. I'm not inviting him out to my gigs. I'm not getting hammered with him and then sharing good, good times with him. So it's cool to see that develop and see that like, uh, grow into this business relationship that it has. Yeah. I would say if, if people are going to like characterize Jeff and myself, I feel like Jeff has got an insanely high IQ and I have an insanely high EQ. You know, my emotional intelligence is pretty high and that helps me with the relationship side. But I also look at, you know, like the, the friendships, right. And the competitiveness and, you know, you can be frenemies with people and you can be cordial and you can build relationships because I truly feel like, especially in Sioux Falls and state college is probably no different. You really don't have room to really be, I don't know, like adversarial. We yeah. can all survive. There's plenty of sunshine for everyone. And I feel like that mentality has allowed us to, you know, capitalize on, you know, I would say probably higher than anywhere else in the nation as far as what we can command on the wedding side, because we have this collaborative nature and we have some really incredible talent locally in Sioux Falls that has helped push up the market. And, and we have people too that, you know, I wouldn't say that they're, they're on like our level per se, and I'm not saying that we're better than them in some ways, but in some ways we, we are markedly better. And when we're charging, you know, four or $5,000 a wedding, right, they can get away with charging two and seem reasonable. Whereas in a lot of markets, you're charging $2,000 and people are like, oh my God, that's an arm and a leg. And I love that line, by the way, I feel like most people on those rummage sale sites and stuff think that we really take appendages as a form of payment. I feel like that's funny, <laughs> but I feel like our relationships that we built, you know, whether it's with Jeff or, you know, with some of the other people in our market, um, Zach and Adam, see if, you know, those guys are, are fantastic people and they're really good. DJs are really good at what they do. We're different and, and that's okay. You know, if, if someone is looking for you to, you know, be leading a Cupid shuffle or chicken dance or, any of those things like Zach and Adam, those guys are amazing. They get people on the dance floor and they just have fun with that. That's, that's not my style. I want to be a stronger MC and I want to be a little more refined and not that they're not, it's just, we're different and they'll tell you the same thing. And I feel like instead of being scared to get to know your competition, you know, you should embrace that because COVID taught us anything. Like we have to be resourceful and that our world is really, really small you know, our minds don't need to be small. We need I remember, relationships. I remember in our Monday morning meetup group, um, Jamie Bodie talked uh, one, one during one morning about how everybody needs an enemy. It's like something in your psyche. And I really, really thought long and hard about that, about how you make up an enemy in your head. And I think sometimes we've done it. I, I, I think so. I've, I've definitely done it in the past, but you don't need to. I think I think a better business mentality is like how can I improve myself? And I think that's also goes across the scope of all of social media. People are far too um far too common to react to what other people are saying when it doesn't really need a reaction. Yeah, but you know, people like to make things about them. They do. Yeah. And to Jamie's point where I feel like to me it's not so much like having to have an enemy, but I like having a place at the table. And as long as we're involved in the conversation, as long as we're held in a regard that I think puts us at a competitive, you know, at least competitive, hopefully a competitive advantage, uh, not a disadvantage, but as long as you have a place at the table, people are talking to you, you have dialogue, 
you know, it's, it's okay to reach out and say, you know, I, I think for us, I think the number one thing is we want a place at the table. And if we did not win an event, right. Or win that sales consultation, I personally, I want to know why I don't care who we lost it to. I want to know why we lost it. If we lost it because of something that we did, something that we can control, something that they thought we were just a bad fit. Like I need to know that if we lost it because of price, I don't care. I really don't care. And that might seem, you know, maybe a little bit just, you know, like untruthful, but it, it's very true. I just, I want a place at the table. I want to be able to present what we do. I want you to feel like our options are great. Okay. If we have all those things and we lose you because of money, that's okay. You know, there's 52 Saturdays, there's 52 Fridays, there's 52 Mondays, there's 52 Tuesdays. There's only so much that we can do. And we've had multiple times where things have fallen through because of price points, right? Or because of some other arbitrary factor. And then two weeks later, like your dream client shows up with the budget five times the other budget. And they just write you the check and say, we're excited to work with you instead of saying, okay, what does all of this stuff mean? That to me is why we create relationships because if people trust you and they like you and they're confident in your scope of work, they're, they're not as conscientious about the budget because what they want is they want someone to guarantee that the event that they're hosting is going to come to what we and they want to have happen. So I think the enemy is, again, I think the enemy is you from yesterday or your self-limiting views. I think there are clients that just can't straight up can't afford you. And I understand that. And I never, ever floss over that. It's yep. just, Hey, I mean, I respect people's budgets. I respect people's incomes. There's not, not a big deal there, but there is also the line of, like you said, you want to get better. You want to learn why you didn't get that sale. If budget isn't the, if it isn't the case. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's also like, are you know, part of getting better is, Hey, am I selling myself the right way? Are they just not understanding the value I bring? And that's where you can improve. Yeah. And I think too, it's, you always have to be at least in the sales mode. And, and to be quite frank, that's like, I love sales. Like I love the psychological yeah. bit of sales. I love getting to know that, but like our job in sales is ultimately like, what is your definition of success? That's it. Let them tell you the definition of success and then present options for them. You know, talk to them about things that events that, they have not liked, you know, what would you like to replicate? What would you like to eliminate from things that you've seen? Let them drive the conversation. Then your job is to be the hero and saying, I totally get it, man. I hate the chicken dance. It sucks. Or I love the chicken dance. Best thing in the world. I don't <laughs> care. And at the end of the day, who deserves to be happy? Our clients. Who's going to make the, yes. the decision to hire you or fire you? The client. It's about them. And as long as, in my opinion, as long as you are seeking to find what that definition of success is and you're capable of delivering that definition of success, you should be involved in the conversations. If the budget again is the limiting factor, it's a limiting factor. And I think the hardest part as DJs, right? And as owners of companies, entertainment wise or production, the hardest part is most people are used to the line item and the commodity based selling approach. And that's fine if you're selling or buying rice or coffee or cocoa, right? But if you're buying talent, there's intangibles that just don't simply make the pull sheet. And that's what we have to be really good about, about conveying, you know, a successful event to you is this, okay? Totally understand. Are you able to do that? More than likely you probably are. 
And if you're not like, it's probably better for you to say like, that's not our wheelhouse, but here's some people that are, because then they know a you're honest and you're advocating for them. Cause if you can't fulfill, you can find someone else that can, but also I, I feel there's just this need for us to educate the buying public of what it is we really do. We don't just play music. We don't just show up with two screens and two projectors. You know, we're anticipating the needs. We're, we're looking towards what can be done. And I feel like that's a burden sometimes, Alex. Like we know what's possible. And they don't always know what's possible because their experiences are different than ours. So I feel like sales is really about navigating that psychological landscape of delivering what they're looking for and then anticipating the things that they really want but don't know how to verbalize. Yes. Well, I think one thing that you guys do very well too is, I mean, on social media and on your website, you guys show the scope of what you do. And so often people, you know, obviously they're creeping on you on social media. They're checking out your website before they reach out. So they're going to see those things and become a fan. And then from there, it's up to you to kind of develop that relationship, ask the right questions, yep. solve the problems that they have. I want to take a rewind really yeah. quick here because I picked up a little nugget when you talked about the beginning of Pinnacle and how you formed Pinnacle, and hopefully I'm not fucking up really bad right here because <laughs> I didn't know this about you. Were you married previously to Holly? Yeah, no, 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 not to Holly. I was married previously, but- Mar Married previously, yep. yeah, married prior. Yeah, okay. yeah, prior to Holly, I was married. Um, got married in 02, um, got divorced in 05, 06. Um, okay. Things happen, you know? You can have the best foundation in the world, but at the end of the day, like, you have to make sure everything is tidy on your house. And we just, you know, I feel like every relationship breaks down and it's usually, you know, over time, right? Like every relationship, every partnership, every one of them. end. you know, you just hope that it's on a deathbed as opposed to something else happening. But um, I, I truly feel like every good and bad thing that happens in our lives, we contribute to whether we want to admit that to ourselves and other people or not, like we all contribute, all contribute to every poor relationship, every poor decision we've all contributed. Um, and yeah, it was a, that was a rough time. Like that was a pretty rough time. Um, you know, she, she's remarried and has a couple more kids and, you know, I, I obviously wish her the best and, and hope she's happy. I don't have any ill will, but it's not how I would have wanted things to happen, but we all make choices, myself included. I made poor choices in things. She made poor choices in things. And, you know, at the end of the day, like your relationship is only as strong as the things you go through. And that's the way it is. I would and without fail, without failed relationships, you wouldn't be where you are either. I mean, these are all life experiences. You wouldn't be as strong with Holly as you are, are now if it weren't for that. You learn things about yourself and you learn things about other people. You learn how to set boundaries. You learn how to not cross boundaries. And I think developing grace and developing um, forgiveness and have it be meaningful. Um, everyone wants to judge you by your social media, right? Your highlight reel. And, you know, that highlight reel is carefully cultivated and carefully crafted purposely. And because we want to control the narrative about what people say about us and our brands and, and that's by design. Um, but the things that happen behind closed doors, like that's why I don't really, I don't care about someone's social media stuff. Like we go to uh, DJ conferences, like the collective and Midwest DJs live and stuff and, and everyone's, you know, 
I mean, sometimes, you know, those conversations are super shallow and I don't really care what's on your Facebook page. I don't really care what your business cards look like. I don't really care what you did in revenue. I care you a good person. Are you the kind of person I'd want to sit around and have coffee with and drink with and talk about? And what else do you do? You know, what is defining you? And for me, I, I'm, I'm a DJ, yes. And I'm a leader, I feel. Um, I'm an owner of a company and a founder, but I also am a volleyball player. I also love my dogs. I also love the Minnesota Vikings. You know, there's things about me that my work life doesn't define me as. Like, this is a part of my life. Is it the most important thing? <laughs> Depends on the day, you know? But I think for, for me, I, I, again, this is why I, I care about relationships so much is we all have things in our past that none of us are proud of. It doesn't mean we have to be living in regret or living in fear that we're gonna repeat that cycle, but you know, we do have an opportunity to stop the cycle. And I feel like in every relationship that we've ever had, it is a learning experience and it's going to help teach you to be a better, better boss, a better husband, a better father. Um, there's no, I think, limiting factor there to learning. Learning is a lifelong process. And as long as you're here, you should be learning stuff. As long as you're here, you should be developing relationships. As long as you, you're here, you should be enriching the lives of others. However, that can be done. Otherwise, I feel like you can become a burden and nobody needs that. Everyone needs people that empower them and inspire them. And, you know, every day we make choices every single day. So choose wisely. <laughs> yeah, man. I feel like the last time or one of the last few times I was in Sioux Falls, I stayed at your house in Sioux Falls and it was actually, you were just moving in there. It was, it was pretty new at the time. Pretty nice place. Yep. Um, you were, you were building your man cave and, and it was gorgeous. What does what what made you decide to move away? Like so, Brant Lake is about forty minutes away from Sioux yeah, Falls. Yeah, thirty five miles, whatever. So depending on the day, forty, some days an hour, depending on the snow and stuff. But, <laughs> um, well, so I grew up in a, a town of about five thousand people and graduated from a town of about eight hundred people. Um, my grandfather, who we share the same blood type, build, hairline, uh, everything. Um, was super entrepreneurial and did a lot of things. And uh, so I, I think his whole philosophy was always like, you know, our first, our first goal in life is to take care of ourselves and our family. And however that needs to be done, needs to be done. And I feel like growing up, um, you know, we grew up in a, in a house, like 600 square feet, um, tiny ass house. I mean, it was tiny with three boys and then mom and dad and you know, and growing up, you don't necessarily think about anything because like you're just happy. You know, kids are happy. They don't realize until a car gets repossessed, right, that you don't have a pot to piss in or a pail to throw it out of. Right. So um, we learned that at a, at a pretty young age that, you know, it was a little sketchy for us in the beginning. And uh, when we moved to Sioux Falls and we started our company, you know, my now ex-wife, you know, she had said something that will always burn. You know, she said, if I was going to call this anything, it'd be a failed business. And uh, I'm the kind of person who, you know, say I can't do something and I'll do everything in my power. I'll kill myself to prove you wrong. And that's kind of why when that relationship dissolved, you know, I just threw myself into work and then it became you know, like what was your next checkoff thing, right? You know, buy a house, buy a car, get married. Like these are checklists that I think people make at a young age because they feel like that's what life is. And, and I did the same thing. And after my divorce, I kind of reevaluated some things, but I still had a little bit of vanity in me. So I still wanted to have nice things and, you know, and we'd built a company that had been pretty successful and 
you know, we eclipsed the, eclipsed the seven figure mark, which is pretty rare in this industry. And, um, you know, we just made smart decisions, bought, bought and sold multiple houses, uh, sold my house up in Del Rapids and bought an acreage for about 50,000 under market. Um, and I just appealed to the guy and I was only qualified for, you know, 273 and for this house that was worth three, 320. And, you know, it was on the market for over a year and a half, you know, and I, I made, I'm like, this is what I have. It's what I have. I can close in 30 days if you want it. Great. If not, like, it's okay. But we ended up buying it and we moved our business out there. Um, and that was like during a time where we're trying to figure out, are we going to downsize or are we going to go bigger? And right before Jeff and I really merged. Right. And so bought that house, sold it so we could buy our building that we're in now for Pinnacle. Um, had to use some of the proceeds from that for the down payment and, you know, working numbers, debt to income ratio and all that fun stuff. And then I found a, another house that was a foreclosure and I got that for about 60,000 under market value and put in about 15,000 into it and then flipped that two years later. So I basically made like, you know, 120 grand flipping those two homes. And then this house that we just, one of our best friends were moving and this was like right across the street from our best friend's house. And we looked at it, we fell in love immediately. We bought the house, that's the one that you um, stayed in. And we were in there for quite a while. And then, you know, we bought a camper. Um, my wife likes to camp and I hate camping. So we bought a camper and went camping. I'm sure a few of you can relate. Um, but we went camping and really enjoyed it and really enjoyed getting away and, you know, getting back to nature. And, and my grandpa and grandpa used to run a, a bait shop in Sisseton where we grew up and they trapped minnows and stuff. So I, you know, fishing was like work. So I didn't really enjoy that, but getting back on the water and riding the jet skis and canoeing and kayaking, and it was just fun and it was different. And I feel like as I've aged, you know, hopefully gracefully, maybe not as gracefully as I wished, but um, my priorities are changing. You know, I, I like what I do. I love the, what I, the work that we get to do. I love the clients that we get to do it, but I value my personal time too. And if, um, you know, like Holly loved camping and I, I, I truly feel like there's, there's things that we do for the people that we love that we may not necessarily agree with at first, but like it opens up doors and it opens up visions and it creates really powerful memories and emotions. And we had an opportunity, um, to buy a house and it's an odd story. Um, our realtor, uh, is a good friend of Holly's and Holly actually worked for Eddie for quite a while. And Eddie's youngest daughter got married two years ago. And so at their final, at their final meeting, like, and mind you, we have bought and sold like four houses with Eddie over the years between Holly and myself. So in our end of conversation, when he's writing the check, he's like, I need you to buy another house from me. I'm like, Oh, I, th I think you owe me a couple more daughters, sir. I think then maybe we can be square, but um, I'm like, but it's all seriousness. Like in five years, like we want to be on the water. And this is two and a half years ago. Right. And so he calls me up. Actually, this was about a year and a half ago. It was not two and a half years ago, about a year. It'll be two years in June. Anyway, so he calls me up um, five weeks later. Right. And he's like, hey, I know you're not looking, but there's something that's not going to go on the market. Um, you know, the sellers, because I did their wedding reception and we're doing their daughter's wedding reception. Um, and, you know, the sellers. So, like, would you like to take a look at it? And we said, yes. And the price was so cheap, like, and the interest rates were so cheap. Like we, we thought immediately, well, we can Airbnb this and make a lot of money. And we did, we made like $15,000 on that Airbnb in that one year that we were there. 
And, you know, our mortgage payments were, you know, $4,000 for the year, less than that. So it was a win-win. And when people weren't there, then we went up and stayed there. When I had a weekend off, we would stay. And then COVID hit. And we had thought about selling our house in Sioux Falls. Just, you know, there's a risk, I think, that everyone has when you buy things. You know, you don't want to be overextended. And, you know, I got to the point where I'm like, I don't want to have two mortgages. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, and then COVID hit. And, you know, for three nights straight, I think I stayed up nonstop trying to run numbers and trying to think, think through things and emailing our banker and, and our SBA facilitator and doing all of those things. And I'm like, we're selling the house, you know? So we listed the house for sale in Sioux Falls. Um, finally got it sold in July. And we were at the point where all of our bills were paid. Like everything was paid off except for, you know, this $80,000 mortgage we had on a small cabin, you know, my vehicle and Holly's vehicle. And we loved it, you know, and we sold the house and we, you know, felt good to breathe, you know, not two mortgages, not all of these things. And, and uh, during, I'd say April of last year during COVID, like we, you know, bought a Can-Am a little side by side and we drove around the lake with Holly and myself and our dogs and, you know, just kind of checking things out. Cause, you know, obviously we lived here for a little while, but we didn't know the area that well. Right. So we just went through the you know, the city of Brant Lake, which is on the north side of Chester and then the south side and all, all of these little, you know, nooks and crannies. And we came here to this house that I'm in now. And there was a guy outside and it was the only guy that was outside when we, you know, did the run throughs and stuff. And um, we sat outside and talked for like 40 minutes. You know, I just said, hey, you have a beautiful home. And he's like, oh, thank you very much. What's your name? And you know, and, and Holly and I talked to him for about 40 minutes and, you know, his wife is looking outside like, let's go supper time. And my wife is like, let's go supper time. You know, and we left and, you know, the end of last summer, we're on the boat and we see a for sale sign at this house. And my wife called our realtor like on the boat and said, can you meet us? And we went and looked at it that same day. And, you know, they had wanted a lot more than what we felt the house was worth. And, um, I understand that, right? Um, buy, buy low, sell high. It's the way the world works. But we did a walkthrough, and you know, they countered with uh, a laughable offer, and we just didn't talk to them for a month. And then their realtor came back and said, "Hey, you know, what's going on? You guys, are you interested?" And and our realtor was just like, "No, we're not interested. It was laughable, and they're just not realistic about the price." And Long story short, a couple of weeks later, I reached out to Realtor. I'm like, could we get it done at this price? Because I mean, I really want an opportunity to have it, but I'm not willing to spend more than this. And it was a little bit more than what we were wanting to spend. But in the grand scheme of things, it was very little. You know, it amounts to about a hundred bucks a month extra to have it. Wow. And we moved in back in November and every morning, every morning, you know, we wake up and we just, it's hard to believe that this is not an Airbnb that we own it, that we live here, that we're responsible for it, right? And that's that's kind of a burden too. But um, I sent you a photo of the sunset earlier and it's, it's like that every single day, you know, and it's- Absolutely breathtaking. It right? is yeah. really surreal. Far more people listen to this podcast than they do watch it. And I, that's how I consume podcasts too. So Likewise. I get it. Um, yeah. I, don't want to, I don't want to be tied down to YouTube. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the view, I mean, it's nighttime, so you really can't tell right now, but that view is absolutely insane. And I'm in love with it. Thanks. Thank you. And it's, 
yeah, for those of you that are listening, it's it's a log cabin. It's got grand windows. It faces the south. It's just it's it's amazing. And I have a very difficult time, very difficult time some days thinking I actually deserve this. Like I come home at two in the morning and I'm like, I can't believe this is my house. I can't fucking believe it. You know? It, yeah, there, I mean, there's a difference between deserve and earned. I always go back and forth yeah. when I hear somebody say deserve, yeah. and you earned it. You and Holly earned it. Yeah, it's just again, you look at the 600 square foot house we grew up in and where we are now and it's just i'm in awe i feel like sometimes when you're growing up like without things do you value things more and because of that you know you're going to work harder for it than somebody that's been gifted things or has deserved them and had them handed them to them. that adage you know we've all heard it like if what would you try if you were not afraid to fail yeah. And, and I always say nothing. I don't do anything because I'm afraid to fail too. I'm not afraid to fail every time. I don't like failing. Failing sucks. You learn a lot from failing, but I feel like that fear helps motivate some people and some people it doesn't. I, and I totally get that. But for me, like, you know, when you hear those negative tapes in your mind, like failed business or, you know, never amount to anything like that kind of stuff sticks with you. And that psychologically can, I feel it can scar you, but you can use some of that to be a motivator and to prove others wrong. And I feel that at the, at the end of the day, like my legacy isn't this thing, right? It's not pinnacle. It's not this house. It's, it's not my friendship with, with just you, Alex. It's, it's the culmination of all those friendships and relationships and, you know, who you've chosen to help and what you've done. And I truly feel like Holly and I have been blessed with, with this, you know, and we, Oh man, in the seven years that we've been together, there's been so many changes and it's all for the better. And I can't help, but, you know, we, we've worked really hard um, personally and professionally to, to have what we have. And, and I'm very grateful for it. And I know that none of it happened by itself. It's not just Holly. It's not just me. It's, you know, it's our team and it's the people we surround ourselves with and it's our families and, you know, it's the love and the relationships that we have that make us want to do more. And, if I ever get to the point where I stop wanting to do more, then you can put me in a hole because that's what it will take. So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we'll just keep you there, Brent Lake, where it's nice. Well, yeah, and you come and visit. That'd be great. So yeah, hell yeah. So I actually want to get into this. Um, I didn't reply to you. I was putting Genevieve to bed when um when you texted me. I I saw the view and I wanted to reply. Oh my god, that view is beautiful because it's awesome. But when you um said did you say you wanted to come here and DJ, or did you say you wanted me to go there and DJ? Uh, both, man, or both. both. I would love to have you out here so you can, you know, come and see Jeff and his baby and, you know, hopefully his new baby you and by Holly. the time you get out here. But, you know, Holly and myself and the dogs and just, you know, jump on the boat, cook some really great food, have some really good beverages, enjoy a few sunsets and yeah, just man. soak it in, man. I love South Dakota in the summer, not, not the winter. <laughs> I don't like Pennsylvania in the winter either, though. That's fair. I think our climates are fairly similar, to be quite frank, but. Yeah, they are very, very, um, very similar, like identical. Yeah, and you're. I think the one thing that you have that we don't is, you know, you can drive, you know, thirty minutes and be in a heavily forested area. And here we don't have any forests really or anything. So, yeah, you guys are. Yeah, you guys are the plains. Yeah, pretty much. Where we are, it's kind of nice. We're tucked in. So on the one side you have the beautiful water, right? And then on the other side there's all these evergreens, and it's just like this beautiful grove. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds, but. I, I don't like South Dakota winters either. And if, if I could, 
you know, maybe this is that opportunity. Like if you're in Arizona or you're in Florida and wanted to start Pinnacle South, like we should talk, you know what I mean? So. I mean, for real, for real, we've, um, and, and this is a conversation for another time, but my mind always wonders and wanders and creates like, what would a franchise, a successfully franchised nationwide DJ company look like? Yep. And I've got my idea in my head of what it looks like. Um, I don't think it's any one person. I think it's a team. Yep. And I, I think it's got to have a uniform, uniform look, feel, sound, vibe, you name it. Mm -hmm. But uh, for sure, I think Pinnacle could be one of those. Pinnacle could be a contender for what that could look like. Yeah. Yeah, there's that that thought has crossed my mind a million times. Like, a million. I mean, number one, Kristen Wilson and her SOPs would be a part of oh, it. Oh, geez. She's brilliant. She's straight up boss. She's not even a low-key genius. No, she's just a genius. And, and, There's nothing low-key. No, but you know, okay, so here's what I love about Kristen. Here's what I love about her. She is unassuming. She just grinds. She kicks ass. She takes names. She does her job. She does her work. She inspires others. And just by doing that stuff, she inspires others. And the thing I love most about her is she doesn't think she's special. She truly feels like if I can do this, anyone can do this. And she just works hard and she wants to keep up with other people. It's like bullshit. It's bullshit. You are you are amazingly talented at what you do like amazingly talented and i feel like every single person that you've interviewed on this on this podcast and i've listened to every single one except the newest one right i'm going to listen to michael's um later but every single person you have on here inspires like they are inspirational um Jesse, for obvious reasons you know mike's was was amazing too david's was great i mean there's so many incredibly talented people and that again I want relationships with those people. I want relationships with people who are talented and who are driven and who we can bring out the best in each other. That's what I like. That's what I think makes life worth living. It's not just paying bills, paying taxes and doing your job. It's about who you surround yourself with and what you're doing to grow both emotionally and mentally and spiritually and physically. Like to me, that's important and life's really short. So whether it's franchising, right? Franchise modeling or, or training your next best DJ. I feel like we all have things to learn from each other. And I feel like sometimes our pride gets in the way of that. And that's a limiting factor too. budgets, imagination, and pride. We should probably add that third one. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I couldn't have said it better. It's a hundred percent true. So there is, there is a franchise model in the DJ industry right now. Well, there is. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me more though. So, I feel like, so this is like the McDonald's and the Chick-fil-A kind of comparison, right? Like the McDonald's is the everyday low value menu. Is there any value in dollar cheeseburgers? Yes, because if you're in a hurry, there's a value there, right? There's a market for that. But like for Chick-fil-A, you know, it's, it's, it's a better experience. It's, it's more a consistent product. It's an elevated, you know, everything about it is just better, right? And it's not so much more expensive than the others. But then you look at like your steakhouse experiences and other things like there's franchises for all of these different things. And to me, I don't feel like the, the term franchise is a negative. I think, you know, consistency is something that everyone strives for, mm -hmm. but has a very difficult time delivering. And I feel like the only way our industry as a whole, as a whole, will move forward is by having something that legitimizes what we do right whether it's accreditations whether it's you know initials or 
whether it's just being able to have, you know, something that we can look at as, as a, a pillar of what's possible and what can be done and what should be done. And, you know, these are our lowest agreed upon standards, whatever our lowest common denominators are, but then we have someone to set the bar above that. And I do think it's possible. I do think that there are a group of people that could make that work. Um, I feel like as long as people can keep, you know, their minds open and the egos checked, I feel like it yep. could be done. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know necessarily if I agree with you about the national organization with standards. I think that's good. But I also think that organization, if that is something that, you know, is an idea or a concept or that you feel is necessary and would be a benefit the industry, I think that industry, that organization, pardon me, would need to have a large amount of out outreach to the general yeah. public as well, Agreed. because they need to, the general, general public needs to know what this organization is and why it fucking matters. Yeah. So this came about <laughs> on Facebook. I saw something where, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into specifics, but we, we tried to start a chapter locally and it did not go well and we did not get support and it, it doesn't matter which one it was. It doesn't matter. Um, Hit me off upline, I'll tell you about it, but I'm not going to tell you outline. Um, but we we tried and we had a really good talent pool here in Sioux Falls that was behind it, and we did not get the support from the national organization. And and here's why I think an organization matters because the lobbying alone is is very important. What if we would have had somebody that was strong in lobbying and would have been able to have their presence be known in some of these houses, right? Could have things moved up, could have things gotten a little bit opened up sooner? Could have these people who have been paying their taxes, like Dave Lander is a perfect example of this, you know, he's been yeah. doing this for a long time and got zero help or almost zero help. You know, could a lobbying organization help with that? Maybe. The, the, I think the limiting factor with an organization though, is that people don't think they need it. And that to me is the problem. You know, they don't think they need it. Like what does an organization do for me? Well, you know, in order to be a successful organization, you have to raise money. In order to raise money, you have to have involvement. In order to have involvement, there has to be value. And that's the hardest part. Like, it's really, really hard to convey to a bunch of DJs, you know, of different calibers, right? Some people that are ripping all their music off YouTube and some people that have subscriptions to seven different record pools, all legal, of course. You know what I mean? How, you know, how do you get them all to come together and say, this is something for the better of all of us, right? That is the hard sell. But if you were able to have lobbying, if you were able to have consistent standards, if you were able to have something that you could agree upon to move forward, whether it's, you know, insurance liability, whether it's, you know, DJ master course one mixing master course two, you know, being a masterful MC, wedding MC, corporate MC, you know, mixing 101, mixing 201, mixing 301. Like we have all of this, these course studies for everything else, but, you know, clowns have organizations engineers have organizations, you know, all these people have organizations that are considered professional, but we don't. Do I feel like it's something that should happen? Yes. Do I feel like it's going to happen in my lifetime? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I'm, I'm a huge advocate for education. I'm a huge advocate for networking. I'm a huge advocate for, for actually being involved in the process. And I feel like what um, those of us, I think, who are successful in the networking pieces of things, have established ourselves as business owners who happen to own a DJ company. And, you know, last year, 
last year, um, I got a phone call from 605 Magazine, the owner, and they said I won a, an award. And I'm like, an award for what? Like, is this a wedding wire thing? Is this, you know, best of or local best or whatever, right? And, and all those things are great. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, she's like, no, you were awarded 605's best business professional. Not DJ, you know, yeah. but best business professional. And I feel like those are the things that DJs should be more involved with, you know, be more involved in the cities that you live, be more involved in civic organizations and nonprofit organizations. And there are things you don't have to give your stuff away for free to be involved, but you know, get involved, get involved in your community. That networking thing to me is one of the most important things. It's, it's being seen, being heard, being relevant, being important. I think we all want to be those things. But how many well, of us are doing those, you know? If you look at your, you and your scope of business and Jeff and the scope of the business that you've grown, Pinnacle, like, I don't know if people in South Dakota hear Pinnacle, Sioux Falls and the surrounding area, they might not necessarily just think DJs yeah. because you are a full production house. Well, we don't want them to think we're just DJs either, you know? Well, no, no, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but I still love it when people are like, never heard of it. I'm like, I love that. It's great. It means we have so much more to go, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, I think, you know, at the end of the day, like I, I feel like you said it earlier, like I am about relationships and I, I do like people. I, I, I want to be part of conversations. I want to get to know people. I want to have that. I feel like enriched, you know, background and low key, like, most of us, most of us, right? Like when you walk into a place like, oh, hey, Chris, or hey, Alex, how are you? You're like, you like that. You know, you want to be known, you want to be seen. And, you know, we're, we're only two degrees of separation for most, most people. You know, I know that there's a six degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever, but I mean, in South Dakota, for sure, it's like two max. And if you don't know <laughs> with two people, like you're not well connected at all, right? And then, yeah. you know, our local markets are the same way though. You know, most of us are only two degrees away from the president of the chamber of commerce. Most of us are only two degrees away from, you know, the manager of that fortune 500 branch, right? Like most of us are only a couple connections away. And if you develop relationships with people and they're genuine and you genuinely want to help them, people like to reciprocate. It might not be now, you know, we're working on clients now, like Alex Hofkamp with uh, Johnstone supply. Like they were with uh, he was a banker back in the day and he hit me up to do some, um, to do an event for DECA. And he had a $1,200 budget to do a couple screens and projectors for DECA. You know, it's like FFA or FBLA, you know, it's a high school organization to develop our, our, our kids and entrepreneurial studies and business. And, and he asked if we could help for this event for like 1200 bucks. And what he wanted was like worth way more than that, but it's a Tuesday. We don't do a lot of them. So it's like, sure. You know, and fast forward now, 15 years, you know, it's a, been a very profitable relationship that we've developed with them, you know, in the six figure range in the last couple of years, you know, and those, those are the things that, you know, when people are like, well, how did you do it? How did you make this transition? Well, none of the stuff happened in the last year. Like this stuff has been like tracks have been laid and friendships have been made for 15 plus years. So whatever you're doing right now, it's like you're planting trees. The apples don't come year one, they come year eight. So be genuine, be authentic, be real. And, and honestly, like, I think the, the life line of most entertainment companies is seven to 10 years, you know, outside of that, a lot of people dip out for various reasons, but so 
you know, if you're in it for the long game and you want to do this professionally, like there's nothing wrong with laying tracks and developing friendships and relationships. Just don't go in thinking you're going to get something out of it. Like go and provide value, provide help, engage. They'll engage. It'll be reciprocated. Well, let you have a sip. Let's have a sip of your beverage here. I've got to tell you, uh, I've got to ask you about a relationship here. I, we just had uh, Logan Smith on as a guest. Love Logan. Good guy. And he told me about the first time he met you at, I believe, Midwest DJs. Yeah, two years ago. Yep. And he and uh, I, I want to hear your version of the story because it was, it was very entertaining from him. Um, what did you say to him right away when you met him? So um, – he he had seen me on Facebook before and I'd seen him on YouTube. You know, he has got some really good YouTube videos and stuff. And you know, I never met Logan and I'd seen him around, but I never met him. And I think I was with Justin Reed and Logan and gosh, who else was with us? Maybe Glenn Roush, um, I, I believe. Uh, but it was the first night of Midwest DJ's Live that Sunday night as the DJ spinoff and, and I was spinning and we're in the lobby walking to the spinoff and, and he'd handed me one of his cards and I'm like lost tax. <laughs> yeah, Cause it's low stacks. Right. I'm like yeah. lost tax. And he's like, no, it's low stacks. What do, what do you think of the name? I'm like, it's a terrible name. <laughs> it's a terrible name. <laughs> and he's like, well, no, but that's my DJ name. It's like DJ low stacks. And I'm like, yeah, but if I'm an average person, not a DJ, right. Never seen your YouTube video. And my daughter hands me your card. I'm like, what does this tax guy want to do with your wedding for? You know, and, and he's like, why? I don't know. Like, I'm thinking about I'm like, what are your other options? And he told me Lux. I'm like, duh, do that. That's a great name. It's a great name. If you're looking for the higher end client and you don't want to have an explanation, I'm like, lost tax. No, that's, that's too confusing for the average person. And I'm like, you do whatever you want to do. Don't listen to me. Do whatever you want to do. But I'm telling you as someone who has seen a lot of different brands and seen a lot of different names that that name is confusing to me and I'm in the industry. So I would change it yesterday, but that's kind of how that conversation came up. Well, and he took your advice. So that's good. But your story, your story is not that much different than his. He may have exaggerated a little bit. He drank a lot more than uh, we are right now. So you drank a lot that night too. It was a good time. <laughs> are you going to Midwest? This yeah. Year? Yes, I am. I'm flying out. What, that's April 25th. Yep. April 25th to the 28th. I was going to drive out with our friend, Blake, you know, Blake Spinks. Um, I was going to drive out with Blake, but we have events pretty hot and heavy Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that weekend. So Jeff is like, I need you to get a ticket. You need to fly instead. I'm like, okay, that sucks. Darn. Cause no one, likes, no one <laughs> likes driving. That's an eight hour drive for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't want to drive 16 hours. It's totally fine. I'll sit in airports for 10. But, but yeah, it's, it's good. And that's a really great conference too. I know like, I need to go. I need Low to go. key, like it gives you the opportunity to connect with people. It gives you the opportunity to develop some actual friendships and relationships. And it's small. So, you know, the networking and stuff in the hallways is, is a real thing. I know a lot of people talk about it like a mobile beat and photo booth expo mm -hmm. and such, but those are bigger and a little more difficult. The table topics thing that they did at Midwest DJs, which mobile beat kind of um, took last year, I think, or the year before, I feel it was one of the probably most beneficial things because you know you're sitting around a table you're all looking for advice on the same thing whether it's you know selling add-ons or you know getting on a preferred vendor list or seo for djs you're dealing with a bunch of people that are like-minded anyway and you just have an opportunity to have eight people at a table instead of 64 at a table 
And I feel like that genuine friendship, it's kind of like DJC, right? Our first couple of years, you know, having like 16 and then, you know, 30 and then now 200 or whatever. I feel like the <laughs> further we get away from that, I think the harder it is to have those relationships. I think it's still doable, but it's just, it's harder. So you've got little micro pods instead yeah. of like, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I truly, you know, we've talked about this on our Monday group too. Like I, I truly think the future is going to be those smaller things. And that might not be something that some of the producers want to hear, but I feel like for someone like me who actually values the relationship part and, and getting in deep with people, as opposed to having a one-on-one level overview of things like that's, that's not enough for me. And as we get busier and that time becomes more valuable to me, you know, I have to be very conscientious about where I'm going to invest that time. And I would love to be doing more speaking and stuff on the circuit, right? I'd love to be able to help with some of those pieces, but you know, it's, it's harder in, in the bigger conferences to, to connect and to have genuine connections. And, and I find like at the smaller ones, like people don't have a preconceived agenda, right? Cause when I go to mobile beat, like I want to see you, right? I want to talk to Joe. I want to see Justin. I want to see Josh. I want to see David. I want to see Kristen. I want to see Bill. I want to see all these people that, you know, we haven't seen except for when you go to Vegas. Right. But when you're going for the educational component and developing those relationships and really digging in, you just need time and you need access. And unfortunately, a lot of the macro conferences, they don't allow you to have that yet. So they're important. Yes. But Midwest is one of the smaller ones and DJC was same way. Like those are the ones that I really, really enjoy. Not that I won't go to Vegas because I probably will. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would definitely go to Vegas yeah. too. It's, I mean, but like you talk about macro versus micro and even in the world of influencers and marketing and advertising, more and more brands are reaching out to macro and pardon me, micro influencers, yeah. people who have a following of two to 5,000 people, but are extremely loyal and trust that person on one topic instead of like a Kim Kardashian. Yeah. I mean, they're always going to go to Kim Kardashian in the same way that you're always going to go to Vegas, but these people, the micro influencers have a better reach and a higher conversion rate, I guess you could say, because they're trusted more. Yeah. I think it's deeper, you know, it's just a deeper relationship and it is built around trust and advocacy and usually niche markets. So I think all those are important, but I, I feel that again, I think relationships are the same way though. Like our circles, you know, there's a lot of people we know. Uh, Facebook's a perfect example of that. You have like 5,000 friends. Well, you know, you probably have a thousand genuine friendships and 4,000 acquaintances or casual mm -hmm. friendships. And I would probably say I have like 20 friendships and then, uh, <laughs> 4,500 acquaintances and people that I might kind of know. Yeah, I would say, I would say I'm closer to that 20, 20%. I think I'm, I'm about a thousand with genuine connections and relationships. And <laughs> I'm very happy about that. Um, I think that's weird though. Like I value those relationships so much and you know, there's other relationships that I just don't give a shit about. And I think it all comes down to like toxic or fulfilling. A hundred percent. So, um, do you filter your social media feeds? I, I just don't post much. I, I don't post enough. I, I feel like you post good food. Yeah. Um, so the things that I post on that I get really good traction on, like I get good traction on my wedding posts, especially when they're well thought out and, and something that is said well, and the photos are great. 
I get really good traction on my dogs. I get good traction on my sunset and sunrise photos and I get really good traction on food, my food photos. So, um, and to be quite frank, I think if I wasn't doing the DJ thing, I'd probably be a chef somewhere or open a restaurant. Like that's legit what I would do. I enjoy food. I enjoy cooking. I feel that's one, one way to take care of people and, and, and how our family used to express love, like loving each other was preparing food for each other, breaking bread and, yeah. And that's a pretty powerful. Thing. What's, what's stopping you from that? Like you've got, you're, you've got some side hustles. Time. I mean, and to be honest, yeah. like I'm pinnacle is a full time and a half commitment. It is a, full -time and yeah, a half 100%. commitment. And there are days where, you know, you, you look at the day and you're like, Oh, I only, work, I only worked eight hours today. And that's not much anymore. You know? <laughs> um, and we, you know, Jeff and I, we both track our hours just to kind of see where we are and stuff like that. And I think it's gross when we look at them. It's like, God, 95 hours, 90 hours, 88 hours. It's like, ugh. But it doesn't feel like work, right? Um, yep. And I think the side hustle thing too, it's like, I think anytime that you're splintering your interests, you know, it can be a real negative. Um so for those of you who don't know, like I started doing snow removal when we had an acreage and I had an acreage. So we paid a lot of money the first year for snow removal. So I bought a trowel or a plow truck, sorry. And uh, the next year, you know, I had a couple of friends that asked me to do some plowing for them. And at the time, um, we were still doing a lot of events, but when it was snowing and everything was shut down, like you don't work. And when it would snow, it's like white gold. So it was like a thousand dollars every time it snowed that I'd make in cash money usually. Right. So yeah, I'll drive a truck. And you know what about that? It was, it's probably still one of the most therapeutical things that I do because when I go out to move snow and I still do it much to my dismay and my wife's dismay, cause I really don't enjoy doing it, but <laughs> I do enjoy looking at those lots and they're a mess. And when I leave, they're clean. Right. And it's a check thing. Like I did that. I did that. I accomplished something because so many times as an owner or a leader in a company, you don't really know if you're making an impact. You don't really know if you're making a mark until way later. Like there is no immediate gratification being an owner of a DJ company or a production company. There is no immediate gratification. It is a long-term game. And sometimes when you're reading a book and you can check that book off and you, you know, oh, I accomplished something. Or when you finish that workout, oh, I accomplished something. Or when you plowed snow, I accomplished something. That is something that I still enjoy and it's still therapeutical for me. Plus, I can listen to my Sips and Ish podcast, right, in the truck. Like, that's a big thing, too. So I did that um, and I still do it. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do it next year. I have this conversation every time this year. Um, so not sure. But um, and then five years ago, Walter Ports, who was my photographer at my wedding, Alex, I think you met, met Walter. Um, yeah. But Walter and I have been really good friends for 10 years. He's been in the industry for a long time. And, and I did snow removal for his mom and his dad. And his dad passed away. And then two years later, his mom passed away. And when his mom passed away, like he had to close the estate. And it was a mess. And the average person, you know, who is an executor of a will is going to spend upwards of 480 to 540 hours closing that estate. And nobody has that kind of PTO and no one can afford to let their employees off that much time. Like it's just super unproductive, but it happens every single time someone passes away. 
And so Walter sent me a text message one day after his grandparents, it was a year after his mom died and he was filling out the taxes and he had to write a check. And he realized it was a year to the date that his mom had died and he hadn't really grieved. And he broke down at the, at the uh, courthouse when he was writing taxes for the estate. And he broke down and he's like, why are we dealing with death? Like it's the 19 fucking fifties. And uh, from that conversation, he started this, this plan. It's called Helen's plan. It's named after his mom. And he asked me to kind of be a partner with him on this, basically through the ideation process and helping flush out some different ideas. And so in our spare time, you know, five hours a week, we've been working on this online repository that allows people to have this logical moment when they're dealing with something that is one of the most emotional things you'll ever deal with, the loss of someone that you love or someone you care about. And so collectively, we built this platform that allows your loved ones to have access to all of your records, including your social media records, your medical records, your pet records, where your kid goes to school, her pediatrician, like just so you have this really good, accurate book of information that you can help someone with. Because again, if the average is 480 hours and the average person makes, let's just say $20 an hour, because the math is a little bit easier, right? That is a ton of money that companies and organizations are throwing away and a ton of unproductiveness. And when you're closing an estate and you have no plan or you have no roadmap, it's, it's daunting. And you know, the, the, the stupid cliche is death and taxes, the only things you can count on. The one thing is taxes, you know, it's due April 15th every year. Everybody has, you know, people that they trust that they, they know there's a, there's a platform, there's a, there's a diagram, there's a roadmap. And when someone passes away, there is not one. And it's frustrating. And he set out to fix that goal. And we have a working product. We went through a cohort. We, you know, we have a strategic partnership. Hopefully we'll be able to announce in May. And this is something that we've worked on again, five to 10 hours a week. It's not a lot of time, Um, but the idea is strong and it goes to the core root of both Walter and I, like, I want to help people. I want to help people. I want to know how I can help them. I want to advocate for them. That's why I enjoy doing weddings and why I enjoy doing, enjoy doing events. And it's also why I enjoy helping people you know, at a time of life where we all need it. And most people don't know what we need. Yeah, the plan from what you told me in our conversation is is uh, brilliant and needed. It is absolutely a painful, painful. It's, 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 it's like owning a business for a year and a half for however long it takes yeah. you to close that estate. And it's, yeah, it is. It's, it's a ton of work. And yeah, it's, I think it's a great product, man. Yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Looking forward to learning about it as well. So that's why I don't have any more side hustles because that's enough. So <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that. I feel that. So restaurants off the plate, but um, you're more than welcome to cook for me anytime. <laughs> I've, I've enjoyed this chat. Likewise. It's been, it's been awesome. Cool connecting with you this way. Love to share your story. Um, anything new on the horizon? Anything you want to share, promote? Oh, let's see. Um, I think the only thing I'm really like focused on right now is training. Um, I feel like we've all had to take a year off of really going out there and cultivating that relationships with, you know, entertainers and DJs and, you know, the next piece of our company, right? The next chapter. And I feel like it's something most of us have taken a backseat on because we just, you know, how do you hire people and not train or how do you hire people? How do you hire people, train them? when there's no events to train on. Yes. Um, so I feel like there's a lot of us that have taken a back seat to that and have been passive about it because we just didn't know what we didn't know and we can't foresee the future. 
So my goal here for the next six months is to start cultivating some more of that talent and some of more of those entertainers. And we have a couple of people that we're eyeing. Um, but I think the biggest piece is as entertainment companies, um, our, our job is to always be recruiting, always be hiring, always be training, being quick to provide really good feedback and, and however we can heighten that training experience and have some of that be automated. I feel that's the future. So 100%. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, that's one of the things I'm working on as well. I mean, if you're listening here in state college, Pennsylvania or the surrounding area, come see me. If you're a quality person, yep. if you're listening in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, the surrounding area, go see. Or want to move here. or yeah. want to move here. We'll, we'll take or want to move here. Yeah. It's man. I, if I could, I always say just knowing like how, how, I mean, your metropolitan area grew. Like I, I, I don't know the number, but insanely over the past 15 years. Yeah. I think, and, yeah. 15 years ago, probably like 200,000. Right. And I think now we're yeah. close to 280. Yep. But not even just that, like I'm talking like home values. Oh, I mean, yeah. Just as, as more and more jobs have hit that area. Yeah, and we just had Amazon's coming now. Um, Amazon's going to, really? yeah, they're building the biggest biggest um, building, I think, in South Dakota history. Um, damn. Or damn close. It's probably not the biggest. Warehousing yeah, or a data center? What's that? Is it warehousing or a data center? Warehouse. So we'll have Amazon Prime in a day. Fuck yeah, man. That's Hopefully. Um, but yeah, it's and that's going to bring you know, an insane amount of jobs. I think it's 8,000 jobs or something like that. That will be directly related. Is that right in Sioux Falls or just outside? Just outside. It's kind of like towards Brandon area. So just okay. a little bit east. But there are definitely some advantages. You know, there's no income tax. It, it costs me, you know, $40 to license a vehicle in South Dakota. No no state income tax, that is. Um, there's There's some benefits, but it's cold. <laughs> it's cold. It is not. It's cold. It's it's you know just like any other state like this in Pennsylvania that that the mid the central states I guess you could say yeah. that aren't quite north, not quite south. No, but our you know it's good to see our economy kind of diversify a little bit too. We've been really really strong in the financial and the health sectors, and that's yeah. really what's propped up that and I would say, uh, you know, food processing and stuff as well. Smithfield's got a big plant here. They made the news last year too, but um, <laughs> there 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 has been some diversification. And along with that is, is, you know, the diverse, diversification of our workforce. And, you know, there's definitely a lot more young professionals that are coming to town and they are looking for elevated experiences. So I feel like what we do is going to be pretty relevant for the near future for sure. So. It's amazing. And the one thing I'll say about that Smithfield plant, Sioux Falls in the summer is gorgeous. It's fun to walk around. It's got a great vibe to it, but that fucking smell, oh. man. <laughs> yeah when it's kill day you know from 10 miles away like it's wasn't a kill day every day because I... it's not every day thankfully but it was like almost yeah. every first friday so like every time you were okay. there it makes probably sense. Yeah. right so still see that vespa scooter that you brought in every once in a while <laughs> there's still two of them or is only just one? the red one i believe so just okay. the red one's still there but that's i don't i don't know if william snyder is ever going to come there voluntarily to come and get it so <laughs> You guys might have to deal with it on your own. Well, there's worse things. There's worse eyesores. So, yeah. Well, man, it was a great chat. Likewise. I want to thank you so much. Thanks for um, Where can people follow you? Um, on Instagram at DJ Chris Hints. Uh, Facebook, same thing. Um, 
me, Chris at PinnacleProDJ.com. Um, that, that's the easiest way. Hit us up through our website. Uh, our dial pad number is 605-679-6089 and uh, leave a voicemail. So I think the one thing I'd like to do someday eventually, though, Alex, is get into the coaching sphere. I think there's a lot of DJs that could definitely use some advice, and that, that's something I've always kind of toyed with, too. But and I think you'd be great at it. I think I, I think I could be. So I think I could give people valuable insight from – Someone who's actually done it, not preaching about it. So, yeah, yeah. There's um, there's definitely a lot of coaches out there that um, can preach but haven't quite done. I think that's the hardest part: the false prophets. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 there are a few people that we've talked to about it, but um, there's a need. There's a definite need, and most people that are searching for like SCORE or SBA, it, this is a different world. The entertainment industry is a different world. And I think, you know, we had Matt Radicelli as a coach for a long time and, you know, it was an expensive check and I hate writing that check. I really, really hated writing that check, but everything that we got out of that was so much more valuable than what we paid. And, you know, I'm very appreciative because to be quite frank, without some of that tutelage and just being open to saying, Hey, we don't know enough. And knowing that you don't know it all, that's a really good frame of mind to be in because you're never going to know it all. And if you're the smartest person in the room, find a different room. <laughs> I think the smartest people in the world are always see seeking ways to improve. Yeah. And on the opposite, the people that aren't quite there think they're the smartest people in the world. I agree. I agree. And I think a lot of times we can get in our own ways too. You know, we just, we, we put our own blinders on and we see what's right in front of us and we don't have peripheral and, I feel like all the riches are there, you know, in the peripheral, what's happening around us. And, and I feel that's a strength, you know, people get so caught up into, you know, if I just have these new speakers, if I have this new gear, then I'm going to make, you know, I'll be just like Alex. I'll be just as cool as Alex. Well, there's only one Alex Nepa. There's only one Chris Hintz and thank, you know, our, our, our wives, girlfriends, like, thank God for that. Right. There's only one of us. <laughs> So I think just be authentic to you and don't be afraid to ask for help because we all need it. We all need it. So yeah, Alex, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate being on the podcast and your friendship and all the questions that you've helped me answer over the years. And you're an inspiration to a lot of people too. So thank you for all you thank do. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Appreciate you as well. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm going to be hundred percent honest. I have to piss really bad. <laughs> We're going to keep that in there just to kind of have some fun. But enjoy the rest of your drink, man. Tell tell Holly I said hello. If you see Jeff and uh, everybody else that I know at Pinnacle, tell them I said hello too. And thank you so I much. Will. Take care, Alex.